Why don't you look at me? You know, this, it's not my first rodeo. We've been doing this a little while. And I've learned that anytime we come into a service and there's technical stuff and people aren't where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there and stuff just goes not just like you like it. When there's distractions, when there's stuff going on, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Is that somebody in that room needs to hear a word from the Lord. And here's what the enemy would do. He would do all he can to stop you or me or Donna or Matthew from hearing what God would have you hear today. I've also learned that the process of preaching is didactic. It goes two different ways. It's got to go this way, but it's got to come back this way too. And so here's, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this morning. I want you to work with me. See, I, I saw this sermon nine months ago. God's done his part. And I believe with everything in me that God's got to work for you. And so I want us to push aside all those distractions. Anybody tired in the room this morning? I, I, I could see it on your face when you're walking in the door. There's a weariness. There's a, I, I get it. I promise I get it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to push all that nonsense aside. Because God has a word for you. He's got a word for me. How many want to, want to be everything and to be who God created you to be? That's what this book is about. See, we started this process in January that we were going to focus our minds on the Word of God, focus our hearts on the Word of God, and let Him, by the authority of His Word, teach us who we're supposed to be. And that's what today's all about. So I, I don't want to overuse a phrase. Let's lean in and hear what God might say to us today. So if you've got your Bible or you've got something with your Bible on it, a, a device, a phone, an iPad, a stone tablet, I want you to get it. And I want you to just find Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to be all over that chapter. And I want you to work with me. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to do something unique in our hearts this morning. Because listen to me, the whole sermon, we got, we got to go through the whole sermon to get to the last three minutes. The last three minutes of this sermon is where God's going to do a work in somebody's heart this morning. But how many, how many know you can't, you know, nobody wants to show up the, the last half inning of a baseball game, right? I, I want you to be focused on the whole deal, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about finding our true identity. There's three main themes in Ephesians. So uh, th just kind of to lay some groundwork, first theme, Christ reconciled humanity to God. Aren't you glad for that, by the way? Aren't you glad that you're not trying to get to God on your own? You don't know the way. But Jesus said, I am the way. The second theme in Ephesians is that Christ has united people from all nations. You see, there was a whole lot of people that thought that Jesus was just for one nation. How many are you glad... That, that Jesus came for uh, um, Americans and, and Russians and black people and white people and yellow people and not peop from every tribe and every nation. All right, that's the second thing. The third one is that Christians, and here's where we're going to land. This is the whole sermon series. Christians need to live like new people. And part of the problem, part of the problem in our culture Part of the problem in your life and in mine is we don't we live like dead people, not new people. And Christ has called us to live in the newness of life. And that's what this book's all about. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 say, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. You're not walking through anything this morning that Christ doesn't own. You're not walking through anything this morning. 
that Christ doesn't own. You're not walking through a sickness. You're not walking through a depression. You're not walking through anxiety. You're not walking through financial struggle. You're not walking through anything that isn't under the feet of Jesus. I'm going to keep saying it till you say something back to me. You're not walking through anything that Christ doesn't own. All things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. All things. Does that leave room for anything else? Why would he do that? For the benefit of the church. He's talking about this building, isn't he? For the benefit of this, a 3625 Brookview Drive, right? That's what he's talking about? What's he talking about? You. For your benefit. He placed everything under his feet. He, for your benefit, he's in authority over everything in your life. For your benefit, he is head over all things. Verse 23 says, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ. You know what that means? You're not lacking anything this morning. You're not lacking anything this morning. There's nothing you need that Jesus hasn't provided. Church is his body, made full and complete by Christ, who fits all things, every, fills all things everywhere with himself. <laughs> Father, thank you for that truth that there is nothing I need that you are not. And that all the gaps in my life, all the, uh, all the inconsistencies and all of the shortcomings, God, you feel those. You filled them with your son Jesus. Thank you that I'm not lacking anything today. Regardless of what the enemy might tell us, that we're, we fall short, that we're not enough, that we're insufficient, that we're not talented enough, that we're not creative enough, that we're not good enough. God, thank you that we're not lacking anything because of your son, Jesus. First thing I want you to write down this morning. Your identity isn't defined by your circumstances. Aren't you glad? Your identity is defined by your relationship. So, so that ought to change your vocabulary. Stop defining yourself by who you used to be. Stop defining yourself about what you're not. Well, I'm not all that smart. Well, I'm not educated. Well, I struggled most of my life. Well, I don't have an education. Well, you know my family, they're all crazy. met y'all's family <laughs> hey i'm not i'm not defined by all the junk that happened in my past i'm not defined by all the stupid things i did i'm not defined by all the bad paths i walked down you know what i'm defined by the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me that's what defines me this morning look at what ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 says this letter is from paul oh got to stop there Paul's going to remind you and remind me of the goodness of God and the fact that Christ reconciled us all to, to, to God through his death on the cross. And he's going to encourage us and he's going to remind us of who we are. And he's doing it from a Roman prison. So just let that sink in when you start, well, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not a super Christian like Paul was. I'm, I don't have it all together like Paul was. My life's kind of tough. Boo-hoo. You're not chained to a smelly Roman guard 24 hours a day. From Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Oh, listen, 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 this is good. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. I'm studying this, and I found out something kind of cool. Now, this letter was written to the church at Ephesus, right? Right? Okay, so they find all of these documents, 
all of these antique documents because how many know that we don't they didn't have you know copy machines and they didn't have laser printers and so they couldn't like create it in a word document and then print copies after copies after copies somebody had to sit down and write copy after copy after copy right you with me so far so they find these ancient manuscripts, and in several of them, most of them said to uh, the, the church at Ephesus, right? Okay? But in, in several of them, where it said Ephesus, there was a blank space. Now, why would they do that? Because Paul was sending the exact same message to other churches. So here's what we can infer from that today. What, here's how we could read it. Paul said, I'm writing this to God's holy people at Life Point Community Church on 3625 Brookview Drive. This is for you. It's 2,000 years old, but it's for you. <laughs> he said, to God's holy people. Paul from prison wrote one of the most defining books in the entire New Testament, Chained to a Roman Guard. And he wrote it to you. He wrote it to you. Have, have, have we missed that thought that God put this book in our hands because he loves us and he wants to teach us more about who he is and the way he does things? Have we forgotten that, that this is not just some manuscript on a shelf? That this is the heart of God, it's the breath of God, and it's to you? Now, look at what he said. Now, now some of you are not going to like this part because we like to, we like to pull passage of scriptures and post them on our Facebook wall. And, and, and I'm going to tell you that you got to be careful because here's what, here's what the Bible says that we just read. I'm writing this letter to God's holy people, listen, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. From this point forward, everything we read Everything we read, all of the good news in the book of Ephesians, all of the promises in the book of Ephesians are conditional. We don't like that. Now listen to me. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. God's love for humanity is unconditional. Nothing you can do to stop it. His promises, however, are conditional. He said this book, this letter, these promises, what I'm writing, are for those who are faithful Followers of Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes people accuse Christians and Christian pastors of, of, of uh, supporting a religion that is exclusive. Well, the reason they say that is because it's 1,000% true. It is an exclusive religion. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Oh, just any way Oprah tells you, you can get there. That's <laughs> not what it says. There's one way. Those of you that have been watching uh, our, our studies that we've been doing uh, about the tabernacle, there is one door in the tabernacle. And that one door in the tabernacle represents this. There is one. Jesus said, I am the door. There's only one way to God. And his name is Jesus. I will... And that one, we oh, don't have time for this. That, that truth is under attack today, y'all. There's this, there's this universalist movement going through our nation that says that you can, that, that however you choose to find God is, 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 is fine. That God's okay with you finding him however you choose. You can go out and find him through a, uh, that lamppost if you want to find him. That's not, that's not how it is, y'all. One way. These promises are to faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Now, here's the good news. If you're not a faithful follower of Christ Jesus, you can be. You can be before you leave this building today. You can be before I utter another sentence. See, in that part, it's, 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 the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God's plan is for every one of you and for me to find our path to God through His Son, Jesus. Ephesians 1.6 says it this way. So we praise God for his glorious grace so he, that he's poured out on us. I, you, you don't, it's not up on the screen, so just listen. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Oh, it is up there. 
Told you. Okay, this one's not. The, th- the 13th verse says, oh, this is good. Listen, this, is, this tells you what, what gets you in the club. This tells you what gets you at the table. Verse 13 says, you, were, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Listen, when you believed. See, it's, we've, we've convoluted the process. Well, here's what you got to do. You got you to you know, join a church, and you got to stop doing this, and stop doing that, and stop doing this, and stop doing that. And then, if you clean yourself up, join a church, write a couple of checks, then you can get in the club. That's not what Jesus said. Listen, all those things are good. You need to join a church. You need to write a couple of checks. We got bills to pay. That's not it. When you believed, you became a faithful follower in Christ Jesus. All right, write this down. You're intended. Oh, you, you, you got to circle that word intended. Your intended identity is predetermined. See, there's, there's a whole branch. We don't have, I, I don't want to bore you with a theological discussion, but there's a whole branch uh, of, of Christianity that, that believes that God created the whole world and that he picked and chosed who chose. He picked who was going to get in and who was going to get out. In other words, he, he, he picked some people and created some people to go to heaven. And he created some people to go to hell. No. I, I love this passage. Look, look at Ephesians chapter 1. This is 4 and 5. He said, even before... before I, I don't want to read the rest. I want you, eyeballs right here. I, can I just tell you, I need your eyeballs today. I, I need your help today. Listen, can I tell you that whenever you feel like you don't measure up and whenever you feel like you're not good enough, whenever you feel like, well, I, I don't have it together like Miss Donna's got it together. Can I just tell you, very few people got it together like Miss Donna got it together. All right? I don't, I don't have it together like Rachel's got it together. Rachel's got it together. I don't have it together like Mr. Matthew's got it together. He's the most solid dude I know. Whenever you feel that way, I want you to remember this verse. The Bible says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Where? In his eyes. God decided, oh, here it is again. Look, look, look. God decided in advance to adopt us. Listen, before you went crazy, before you ran off the rails, before you did all that stupid stuff, before he already decided to adopt you into his own family. Listen, he didn't bring you into a family to to put you in, in the guest house. He brought you into his house, in his family, by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And and look at this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God chose you before you ever thought of him. God chose you before you even thought about knowing, knowing him. God chose you before you did or could do anything for him. God loves me because, uh, you know, I come to church today and God loves me because I read my Bible yesterday. God's, God's glad you're here and God's glad that you're opening His Word. But He loves you because you're you. And He chose you. <laughs> How? He says He chose us in Christ. So before you start bowing up your shoulders... Before you start looking in the mirror, thinking about how good you are, look at me. Had nothing to do with you. He chose you in Him. It brings Him good pleasure for Christ to redeem broken, busted, and disgusted people like me and you. Brings Him good pleasure. I, I, I want you to look at this one, this one phrase. It says, He is 
Uh, he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Holy and without fault. Anybody holy and without fault in the room? I'm scanning. Just one, just my wife. Now, I said that to say this. There's, there's this, Paul is, again, I don't want to bore you with theological stuff, but Paul was a literary mastermind. And he's borrowing a phrase, that holy and without fault phrase, he's borrowing it, borrowing that from the Old Testament law. And that phrase in the Old Testament law said, this is the kind of sacrifice you've got to lay on the altar. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be set apart, flawless. And that's how God sees you. Holy and without fault. Not because you're good, but because he chose you in Christ. Yes. <laughs> in, in his eyes. See that? Without fault in his eyes. See, now, now y'all might not see this beautiful brown-haired woman on the front as perfect. But in my eyes, right? You know why? Because she's my family. You, you may see my children, my daughters-in-law, my perfect little grandchild, and think, well, they're, they got their own issues. Maybe they do, but in my eyes, Right? If I can look at it that way, and I'm, I'm me, think about how God looks at you through his eyes, through the heart of a father. So the next time the devil reminds you just how sorry you are and how broken you are, just remind him who your daddy is. Come on, somebody. Just remind him who you belong to. Remind, him, remind the enemy who adopted you and called you his own. God decided in advance to adopt you. I, I wonder, have you ever felt like God was frustrated with you? I'm, I'm seeing some heads nod. Have you ever felt like God was probably losing his patience with you? Now, I heard chuckles that time. Just, just look at that last pa passage. It talks about Adopting us into his family, and seeing us as faultless and blameless in his eyes. And the last part of that passage says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Listen, your father, listen, there, there's going to be times like any good father that you're going to come under discipline, right? He's going to smack you on a fanny. Come on. But it doesn't change your relationship. He's a good Good Father. And He takes delight in you. The psalmist said, He sings over me. Does it sound like somebody that's frustrated? Does it sound like somebody that's lost their patience? So here's God's plan. Write this down. God's plan is for you to develop your identity. He's predetermined it, but how many of you know that you've got to walk in it? And you've got to become who God created you to be. Here's what Ephesians 1, 16 to 18 says. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. So, here, here's the phrase I want you to get. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your heart shall be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he's given those he called. His holy people who are... His rich and glorious inheritance. See, we, I like to think that I get this glorious inheritance when I get to heaven. Come on, I, somebody, I, I'm, I want a mansion. I want a man cave in with all kinds of bulldog stuff in the, in the basement. Come on. Somebody says, is there going to be college football in heaven? You better believe there's going to be college football in heaven. There's, there's going to be no more tears. If there ain't no college football, I'm going to be crying. I don't know. I don't know. He's not talking about your inheritance. Listen, whose inheritance is he talking? You are his inheritance. He counts you as his inheritance. 
And he wants us to grow into the identity that he predetermined us to walk in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know something, and, and you may not like this, but it's just the truth. You aren't there yet. Some of you have been serving God a long time. You're not there yet. you still got room to grow. You still have, what, what did we read? That you might grow in your knowledge of God. You don't know enough about him yet. And oh, by the way, if you get to the point where you think you know enough about God, then um, you, these altars are open. All of creation, look, look at this, all of creation, all of matter is in one of two states. And I'm not talking about Georgia and Alabama. All of matter is in one of two states. It's either active or it's static. It's either moving or it's not, right? Every Christian on the planet is either moving or you're not. You're either an active, faithful follower of Christ are you static? And so my challenge to you is to let's not be static because I've been there. And I bet some of you have too. Where, and, it, and it starts off, and, and you guys know I'm not a legalistic kind of guy, but I'm just going to tell you how it looks for me, I bet it looks this way for you. It's, it starts very simply. Well, I don't really need to do my devotion this morning. I don't really need to spend time in God's Word today. So I got other things that I need to do. So I'm just, well, I, I really don't need to open this silly email where Dwayne's sitting there talking about whatever. I, I really don't need to go to church every Sunday. I, I really don't need to be a, a, a part of a small group. I really don't need, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're static and you're not growing. And let me tell you what happens to water once it gets static. It gets stagnant, and then it's death. And I love you enough to tell you that if you're static in your walk with God this morning, you're, you're one step beyond stagnant and one step beyond death, and I don't want you to go there. I want you to have an active, growing, pursuing relationship with your Savior. And you've got to grow. I've got to grow. And, and, and we'll never get to that point where we, we can... Uh, you know, sit on our haunches and throw our easy chair back and say, I've done all of God I need to do. <laughs> well, you don't understand, Dwayne. I know the guys in my neighborhood. I know the people in my family. I am so far ahead of them. I, I saw the coolest video. And y'all are going to fuss at this because y'all all already tell me I'm an apple snob. And so I might, as well just, I might as well just own it, right? But I heard this, uh, th there was this business uh, leader and motivational speaker that had spoken at a Microsoft conference. And, and this is a few years ago when uh, Microsoft came out with their version of the iPod. It was called the Zune. Anybody remember the Microsoft Zune? Two people in the room remember the Zune. That's pertinent to the story. So he winds up on his plane next to an executive from, oh, guess where? Apple. And so he said, You'll, this might come as a surprise to you, but I just spoke at a Microsoft conference, and I just need you to know that this Zoom thing is leaps and bounds ahead of that iPod. Leaps and bounds ahead of it. And you know what the Apple executive said? I'm sure it is. Conversation was over. You know what he's expecting him to say? Oh no, ours will do this, and ours will do this, and ours will do that. And he was expecting him to compare the Apple product with the Microsoft product, but he refused to do that. Do you know why? Because the people at Apple have determined that Microsoft's not their competition. You know who their competition is? Apple. They're not concerned with being better than the other guy. They want to be the best Apple they can be. So where's the spiritual significance in that? Don't be concerned with being better than your next door neighbor. Don't be concerned with being better than, the, you know, than whoever. Here's what you need to be concerned with. I want to be more like Jesus. 
And I want to be a better me than I've ever been. And I want to be closer than I've ever been. I don't care what the rest of the world is doing. The rest of the world's going to hell, by the way. I don't want to go there, so I'm going to be the best Dwayne I can be. And the only way I can be the best Dwayne I can be is to be who God's called me to be. And the only way I can do that is to find out who Jesus has created me to become. And i got to walk in that, and i got to be active in that, and i got to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to become who I I'm supposed to be. It's not by just trying to be better than you. I've tried to do that. I can't be better than you. I've tried. I've tried to be a better singer than Donna. I'm not there. Why is that funny? You know, I was expecting y'all to go, oh, you sing great. Not chuckle. It's kind of hurtful. I tried to be a better carpenter than Tim Johnson. I, I, I... and again, the laughter. He, he came into my, my little office that I had built downstairs. And, uh, and I was really proud of this little molding that I'd put up. And he laughed. He said, you use cheater blocks. And I went, get out of my house. Listen, trying to be better than somebody else is exhausting. So I, that, that's not what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm going to be like Jesus. And I know I'm not going to measure up. So you know what that means? If I'm never going to measure up, that means I spend the rest of my life in hot pursuit of Jesus, His love and grace and mercy. See, I I knew that sooner or later I'd find spiritual significance in Apple products. (laughs) All right, here we go. Here's your your next villain. I developed my identity in the context of the church. Look look at me, y'all. This culture is going to tell you you don't need what you're doing this morning. This culture is going to tell, tell you that there's better preaching and better music on the Internet. Look, look at me. There is. But you won't find community on YouTube. You won't be able to grow by staring at a screen by yourself. Here's what, here's what Paul said. God's put all things under the authority of Christ and has made them head over all things for the benefit of the church. We were always, always, always intended to be part of a spiritual community. The church, the body of Christ. The church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. All right. So I'm going to leave you with five questions. And, and we've got to get to the last three minutes of our time together. First question. How's my relationship? Am I static or am I growing? Am I a faithful church member or am I a faithful follower of Christ? How's my relationship? You're going to laugh at this next one. Who's my daddy? (laughs) See, go ahead and get the laughter out of your system because Jesus looked at a bunch of Pharisees And said, you are just like your father, the devil. So in the grand scheme of things, and and people don't like this kind of verbiage, but it's just truth. There's only two daddies. Who's your daddy? That's so funny. I'm I'm trying not to laugh at that, but it's funny. But it's just real. I've been adopted by my father into his family. Oh, there's, in in a couple different places, uh, Paul uses the term Abba. And, And some people have tried to say that it means daddy, and I don't really think it means daddy. Here's what I think it means. It's just an affectionate term for your father. And listen, It's hard sometimes when 
when maybe, see, I've got, I've got the beautiful memory of what my dad was like. Maybe you're here, and when you hear the word father, great things don't pop up into your head. So just, just hear from my heart for a second. If that's you, if you're here and you say, I, when I hear the word father, it's not a pleasant memory. It's not a pleasant image. Don't pass your heavenly father through the filter of the junk you walk through with your earthly father. Because he's a good father. <laughs> and oh, by the way, listen, this relationship that we're talking about, he initiated it. He came running after, running after you. Third question. What's my next step? Because you've got one. You've got one. And, and, and listen, that, that's why we do growth track. It's just, you know, as far as the church is concerned, there's some, we can help you with some of those next steps. But listen, everybody in the room's got one. And, and, and we can define a lot of them. We, we talk about water baptism being the next step. We talk about going to growth track. We talk about joining the church. We talk about getting involved in a small group. We talk about serving your church. And those are all wonderful next steps. And maybe that's not one of yours, but I promise you, you've got one. You've got a next step. You've got a place where God is growing you and molding you and forming you and shaping you to look more like His Son, Jesus. So what's your next step? It's hard, it's hard to determine a next step when you're just stagnant. So I'm going to tell you that for some of you, maybe your next step is to reignite the fire and passion that you had for Jesus. Because if that, if that flame's grown cold, that, that's your next step. Does that make sense? Fourth question. Am I vital? Let me tell you what I mean by that. And I gotta I gotta choose my words very carefully because I you guys know me. I don't I I I would never intentionally offend anyone. But just uh, what I'm gonna tell you just has just come out of 30 years of watching people go in and out of churches. When I ask you if you're vital, maybe the maybe the way I could ask you that question is. If, if I didn't show up here, if I weren't a part of the church, what would, what would be missing? Because here's what I found. As you begin to make yourself vital to the church, the church will become vital to you. If you, and I don't mean this in a, in a, in a harsh way, uh, but you've got to find a way. And, and there's plenty of places to connect. And you've got to find a way to make yourself vital because here's what happens when you make yourself vital to the church. All of a sudden, you can't live without that community. And you need it. And I need it. Donna's going to come and we're going to, I'm going to give you this last question, and I need you to hear me. And I, I used to hate it when preachers would say, you hadn't heard anything else I've said. <laughs> but if you hadn't heard anything else I've said, I want you to answer this question today. Am I still in love? See, the church in Ephesus was part of a bigger narrative. 
See, they show up again a few pages later. They show up in the book of Revelation. You're like, why would the church in Ephesus show up in Revelation? Why would they be there? Because Jesus sent seven letters to pastors of seven different churches in the first part of the book of Revelation. You're like, I thought Revelation was just about dragons and fire and tribulation. Well, before any of that, Jesus writes seven letters. And one of them was to this church that we're talking about today, to the church at Ephesus. And I just want to read what Jesus said about Ephesus. And oh, by the way, we said that if he wrote it to Ephesus, he was also writing it to, to us, right? Here's what he wrote. Jesus said, write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. And oh, by the way, don't get tripped up over that word angel. It, the, the word really means messenger, and he's writing to pastors. So you can call me angel, Dwayne, from now on. Just kidding. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. It's Jesus. A glorified, risen Jesus is writing this letter. You with me? I know all the things you do. If we stop there, are you, are you excited or nervous? I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work. Your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. It's starting out pretty good, isn't it? You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. So Jesus is like, man, you're doing a lot of things just right. Then he drops a bomb. He said, but I have this complaint about you. You don't love me. You don't love each other as you did at first. So here's, here's my question. Are, are you in love? Are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with His people? Or do you just tolerate both of them? I want to challenge you today. If, if that love has grown static, and, and, and all, I, I, I've been there. I have been to the point where I just went through the motions. I've been to the point where I came in the church and I sang the songs and I raised the hand and I smiled and said all the right words but I wasn't love anymore and listen I I know that Jesus could say a lot of things about Dwayne but here's what I never ever ever want to hear him say you don't love me like you used to So here's what, here's how I want to start this series. Here's how I want us to pray this morning. If that's you, and I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you up here. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to be honest with God. Say, God, I, it's not the same, and I know it. Oh, he'll be mad. No. No. He'll open those arms. Because just because you might not love him like you used to, guess what? Guess what? There's nothing you could do to make him love you less. You know why? Listen. all my life you have been faithful and 
All my life you have been so, so good. Come here, listen to this. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on. And all my life you have been Come on, sing that and declare those words like a prayer. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I have made, oh, I will see of the goodness of all my life, all my life. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. <laughs> every breath that I am in, oh, I will sing of the good Father, in Jesus' name. I want to love you like I've never loved you before because you've been faithful and you've been good and you've done your part and you've adopted me into your family so today I declare in front of all of these people and with all these people we want to love you like we've never loved you before you're so good to us Lord and you run after us and you pursue us love you Jesus come on maybe you're here and you don't need to sing right now what you need to do is pray and you need to declare to the Lord God I, I, I want to love you like I've never loved you I don't want to get a letter from you saying I don't, they, I don't love you like I used to and I don't love your church like I used to I want to love you with a passion that's fueled by your passion for me <laughs> come on lift your voice your goodness your goodness is running after, it's running after me, Lord. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Listen, with my life laid down, I surrender now. Everything, everything. Your goodness is running after. Come on, you need to sing this and declare this. As a declaration of your commitment and your, your love to Christ. Is running after He's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. My life laid down. I've surrendered now. I give you everything. I'm, I'm gonna let you go, but I just I just sense the spirit of the Lord here, and I, I I just have to, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but that I give you everything line, you tripped over a little bit, and you think that there's something you can't give him, and I, I listen. Sometimes this happens, and I know exactly what I, I don't I don't know that now, so I don't know if it's. It, if it's an addiction, if it's a habit, I don't know if it's a sin that you don't think you can give them. I don't think if it's, a, it's, it's anxiety and depression, I don't know what it is. But you can give it to Him. Because all things are under His authority. There is nothing that you're carrying this morning that He can't handle. There's no disappointment. There's no frustration, there's no sin, there's no addiction, there's no mental illness, there's no anxiety or depression, there's nothing, there's no relationship that he can't handle. And so when you tripped over that one line, I, I give you everything, there was a part that said, I just don't think I can. I, let me be your pastor for just a minute. Yes, you can. And he can handle it. And it's under his feet. And it's under his authority. And so in Jesus' name, here's what I want you to do. Give it to Him.
surrender it, lay it at the foot of the cross and leave it there. And then leave this place with this determination from this day forward. I'm going to pursue Jesus as He pursues me. And I'm going to become who He's destined and called me to be before I ever drew a breath. It's yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I will sing just once more before we go. I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness. Come on, sing this with us. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give everything. you everything. Your goodness is running out. It's running out to me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we thank you for adopting us into your family. We thank you that you count us holy and blameless, not because we're good but because Jesus is enough. God, thank you that in your eyes I'm faultless and blameless. Thank you that in your eyes I'm not a, a servant. I'm a, your son. Thank you that in your eyes I'm your child. So God, today, I and many in this room give you everything. Every thought. Every struggle every concern, every worry. In Jesus' name, we give you everything. Come on, if you agree with that this morning, I want you to offer the Lord an ovation of praise. Oh yes, come on. Come on, give Him praise in this house because He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all. Have an awesome afternoon. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me oh. your goodness is running out it's running out to me with my